Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm David Hepworth. And I'm Mark Ellen. We met at a gig in Manchester in 1977. And we began a conversation about rock and roll that night, which has been going on ever since. For the last 15 years, that conversation has continued in the Word in Your Ear podcast. It's not a serious conversation, but it does cover the things that matter. The haircuts. The tacks. The tours. The trousers. If you share our conviction that rock and roll can be magnificent, and hilarious at one and the same time. Then join us wherever you get your podcasts. Hello Tottenham fans around the world. Theo Delaney here in North London saying welcome to another Spurs show at this this crucial juncture in our history. I'm pleased to say I've got three esteemed guests to help me pick the bones out of the current situation here. Welcome back, first of all, Brian Leveson. Hello, Brian. Hi, Theo. Nice to be back. Good to see you, mate. Uh, Lee Brazel is here too. Hello, Lee. Hi, Theo. Thanks for having me back. Good to see you, mate. And I think you're making... Am I, I think I'm right in saying you're making your debut. Ian Stones is here. Hello, Ian. Hi, Theo. Thanks for having me. Is this your debut? It certainly is. Well, in that case, I'm duty-bound to ask you before anything else happens, when was the first time you saw Tottenham Hotspur play in the flesh? Uh, 74-5 season, away at Newcastle. Alfie Collins. Famous hat trick game. Wow, what a debut. That's yeah. amazing because, of course, we had Alfie on just the other week talking yeah, all yeah, about I that. I listened to the show, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And so you're a native of the Northeast, right? Yeah, um, I live about uh, 10 miles from Darlington. Right. Okay. Well, that is, uh, well, we'll, we'll, I want to talk to you, obviously, about your book in due course, and we'll certainly get to that, um, which sounds amazing. 
First of all, though, gentlemen, of course, what we need to talk about is the current situation. As we speak here on this uh, Tuesday night, uh, it's what Alec Ferguson used to call squeaky bum time, because we are in, engaged in what looks like a very tight two-horse race with our sworn enemies, the scum, the gooners, uh, for this yeah for this Champions League uh, slot. The bookmakers have them slightly ahead of us in the booking. The bookmakers make it a slightly a three-horse race because Chelsea aren't in, entirely done and dusted yet. But looking at their fixtures, they should be all right. It looks like it's going to be t- between us and the goons for that fourth place. Last weekend, just a matter of a couple of days ago, uh, Spurs and Arsenal played games which were, they were expected to win on account of the opposition having second-leg European semi-finals coming up this week. And they both did win. Uh, I wouldn't say with the minimum of fuss. Spurs won 3-1 at home to Leicester City. Uh, I was there. I'm imagining that we all witnessed it. Brian, was it ever in doubt? Not really. I don't think Leicester were really. I think they were they were depleted anyway. They had some people missing, um, and yeah, I, I thought we were nervy to start with. To be honest with you, I mean there is there is a pattern with Spurs that they they do start and tend to be nervous about things. When you get when we get our second goal, suddenly <laughs> it's a different side. We're, yeah. every, every, suddenly everybody wants the ball. We look energetic. It's the lack of passion that bothers me. At the beginning, at the beginning, it seemed to be so, <coughs> I don't know, it seems to be so passionless, really. There didn't seem to be anybody really making it, making the the, the, the desire just doesn't seem to be there at the, at the beginning of every game, almost. Well, but that, that's a big worry, isn't it? Because we've got these four critical games coming up. Some people have described them all as cup finals, of course. One of them in particular is uh, huge in every in every respect, and if if they're coming out the tunnel lacking desire and passion, uh, then um, you know that's a worry. The next two games are Liverpool away and Arsenal at home. Of course, what did you make of it, Lee? Did you think we were? Did you think we were lacking desire? I'm not sure about that, and I'm, I'm never a really big fan of, of that when that comes up. I mean, my my reflections on the performance were that I didn't think that the Spurs' performance was a tremendously different from the games against um, Brentford and Brighton. I just think that Leeds didn't, I'm sorry, Leicester didn't necessarily have the quality out on the pitch to do what those teams did, which is sort of play a sort of really strong, tactically excellent game. I mean, you know, there's obviously loads of positives coming out of the game. You know, Kulisevsky was was amazing. Son's finishing was fantastic. And obviously now there's, there's a real chance he could go for the golden boot. But um, as I say, you know, we still haven't sort of solved the problem of going, kind of getting Kane back involved in things. You know, he doesn't seem to be keen to drop deep. Um, I don't, I don't sense it's a lack of passion. I just think that we have got one sort of strategic approach that doesn't have a tremendous amount of flexibility in it. And I think the beginning of these games is about trying to feel out how the opposition are going to deal with that. That sort of, I'd like to think that's more what it is than than a lack of passion because you know you look at someone like Romero and Kudelski, Bentancur, you know Song, you know, and they seem like they really care, you know, and then they've got bucket loads of passion, and, and that's kind of what carried the day, I think, in the second half. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting what you said, Brian, is you, you talked about passion and desire, but you also said we look nervous, which is a slightly different thing. Although the the symptoms of that condition can be similar to the symptoms of of, of lacking. Uh, passion. What what did you th- what did you make of it, Ian? Um, I, I thought 
the opening 10-15 minutes, um, I thought Leicester, all, well, they almost scored a couple of goals or had yeah. chances. Um, but, you know, I think with Spurs, once we get that first goal, um, as long as we don't sit back um, and play this sort of side-to-side football, you know, I think if we keep going forward, um, you know, which we did, and uh, you get that second goal, and then we usually can kill the games off. Or, you know, I find them at times, especially the Brighton and Brentford games, were a hard watch at times, hmm. um, unless we get a goal. Yeah, I mean, that, that idea, Lee, that you said, that we have one really good, effective plan, but... It's only one plan. So if you've got a sophisticated opposition manager with a good bunch of players and not too many injuries, they and and also not too ambitious as well, because they, I don't think uh, Brighton and Brentford felt they had to win those games. That they would have been more than happy with a point. Brighton actually ended up nicking theirs, of course. So they can come out and they can just set about stifling this plan, which is not easy to do, but they did it and they did it extremely well. I. I mean, I hope to. I like to think when we play more ambitious teams, we've got in a set. In some ways, we've got more of a chance. I mean, that's what we're going to be faced with in the next couple of games. Do you think that's right? Brighton are not a team to be underestimated. Um, no. I think that they've been on something of a of a surge in the area. And they, in fact, they they did Arsenal over as well, if I'm not mistaken. They're a good outfit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there are very few very there are very few very bad outfits out there at the moment. Yes, uh, and even Burnley, are, even Burnley are on a bit of a charge. Newcastle are reborn, which we hope that we hope, all hope that carries on. It's interesting yeah. about you mentioned Burnley because obviously we've got to play Arsenal on the Thursday night, and then we've got this r- ridiculously early kickoff against Burnley on the Sunday. And I've just noticed it's Arsenal got the extra day before they have to go up to Newcastle. It just seems like everything kind of kind of goes their way with uh, with scheduling and deciding when they want to play. A lot, lot's got a lot's gone Arsenal's way in the last few games, I think. To be honest with you, they have got to, they have got to go all the way up to Newcastle. I suppose is what they would say, but they might balance it out a little bit, and it also gives them what, a day's less rest time before the final. But I mean, those early kickoffs just never sort of seem to you know we don't seem to do very well, do we? There, I mean, you know, Brighton was an early kickoff. It just seems to take us a while to get going, and it's obviously going to be whatever happens against Arsenal. It's going to be a big night, isn't it? It's going to be you know noisy. It's going to be loud, and um, yeah, yeah, just take it out. That, that, yeah. that kind of worries me a little bit, to be honest. No, these next three games, for completely varying reasons, are hugely intense games. Um, uh, as much to do with, obviously, to do with the oppos- opposition as anything. There were there were uh, things to to take great comfort from on Saturday. Did you were you surprised, uh, Ian, to see Lucas Moura brought back in the starting lineup for Kulusevski? Uh, definitely, yeah, yeah, because Kul has been really playing well, so it was a strange decision. But, uh, you know, I don't know whether he wanted to change his shape or whatever. I don't know, really. It was a strange one. Yeah, I mean, it, I wondered if it was purely that Lucas had had a, a pretty good season until Kulishevsky turned up. Kulishevsky sort of edged him out the team. And then, although he's been his impact has been great, I felt in the last couple of games he was less impactful, probably because of what we've been talking about, two teams that were able to stifle the plan. And that maybe um, maybe that's why... Uh, Conti gave gave Lucas a chance, but if it was also the intent when you do that, you hope that the player that's been dropped responds. And I thought Kulusevski was amazing when he came on, wasn't he? he was right, he was absolutely totally. straight back up to his to peak levels. 
Um, so that's something. You definitely made Conte look like that was a good decision. But the, the question I've got is I don't understand why Mora, you know, automatically gets in that slot ahead of Bergwijn. And I think if I was Steven Bergwijn, I'd be quite frustrated, really. Well, I about, think he is. You know what I'd have to do to uh, to maybe get that chance when when he's rested, and you know, thinking back to that Brentford game, I don't think Bergwijn even came on. I think um, they they all, they all look good when they're coming off the bench. Somehow, they all seem to perform well when they come on as impact players. And finding somebody who's going to do it. Bergwijn, I, I like Bergwijn, and he, he's had a very good run with Holland and with with Tottenham, and and probably does would maybe would do better with a with a bit of a run, but. For me, he makes too many poor choices at the end, you know, you know, in front of goal. But, you know, he doesn't really get the, the runs to be able to, to make thing, that a, a qualitative thing, I, analysis. I, yeah, I mean, when Kuliszewski is playing well, like he did when he came on, on very, very well on Sunday and, and has generally played very well, then that is then it's very hard for Bergwijn or Lucas to get in the starting lineup, isn't it? But I, I, I agree that Bergwijn... Well, Bergwijn actually said after the game, he's quoted as saying, I think I'm going to have to leave because I'm just not playing enough. And that's... You can understand him feeling that way. And it's, uh, but it could be something that we live to regret because he's still young and he's rated... He's a Dutch international. But he does better through the middle anyway than, he, than left out on the flank, Bergwijn. So yeah, maybe I mean, that's a that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it just it just sort of seems. I mean, I love Conte, and I think he's been amazing, and the atmosphere that he creates is phenomenal. But there just does seem to be this kind of rigidity to how we play and who plays, and and I think that if we mixed it up a little bit more, maybe surprised the opposition a little bit more, you know, I think we might have kind of saved ourselves from a couple of these damaging defeats, um, you know, over the last few weeks. I mean, the, the, the one point that. Obviously, everyone's been praising Romero, but I was looking back at it. And apart from that game at Manchester United where we conceded those three goals, the defence has been absolutely amazing since sort of mid-February, really. I never thought I'd hear myself saying this, but it's a shame that Doherty got in when he did. Oh, yeah. Because he'd ju- he just come into a rich vein of form. And our weakness, if you want the real weakness for me, is uh, is in the left-back slot um, because... Um, Sessignon is not up to the job, I don't think. And Davis is prone to mistakes. And um, and Emerson Royale on the other side can't find a white shirt at the end yeah. of at the end of whatever he does. And and this is a weakness for us, I think. It's a real problem. And that's why when Krusevsky comes on, he's he's a thoughtful kind of player. He actually is looking to to pass the ball to feet rather than to just hoik it into the centre. You know. Yeah. No, definitely the wing backs are the uh, the obvious weaknesses, and the reason for it is is that that uh, Conti, that's his system, that's the plan we're talking about, and he came to a club that wasn't playing that system, so therefore didn't have the wing backs. They had one wing back, and that was Doherty, who had mm. not been playing well at all. But because it's Conti's system, he got him playing well, and then as soon as he got played well, he was taken out outrageously at Aston Villa. Terrible Guy didn't even get a yellow card. He bloody took, he finished his season. Yeah. And um, and that was that. So yeah, I mean that's something. Obviously, we you know, that's not going to change. I mean, Regulon, I think is potential, but there's not much to choose between Regulon and Sessignon. I wouldn't have said, and we don't. We simply don't have any alternative to um, Emerson at, at right back. Although, if he did get injured, I wonder if they try someone like Lucas Mora or Bergwijn in that position purely out of necessity, and whether actually it might be one of those things that turned out well. Who knows? I mean, uh, who else do you think, though, Lee, when you say other maybe other players should be given a chance? Is there anyone else knocking on the depart from Bergwijn and Lucas that you think might be might be worth a go? 
Well, I mean, I mean, I think this has been the, the big thing that's, you know, since the end of January when they let all the midfielders go. We just, this is, I think, one of the reasons why we've lost a couple of those games because there is so limited, such a limited amount of flexibility in terms of who you could bring on. I mean, you know, obviously everyone's got different opinions about them, but, you know, if we'd have had a Lascelles, if we'd have had a Ndombele, you know, might we've seen them make an appearance in some of these games where we just weren't really making any impact. Mm. You know, that, that's, you know, they've done, I suppose, from a squad harmony point of view, they would turn around and say it's a, it's a lot better to have yeah. a sort of trim a squad and everybody more focused. But, you know, it has been at the expense of, of, of that flexibility because, you know, obviously they bring on Harry Winks and, you know, I think everyone knows that, you know, how he affects the game in terms of holding the ball and moving it sideways it doesn't have tremendous impact on thrust and creating chances. Um, and you have to just wonder whether, you know, LaCelso or Ndombele might have done that, obviously. You know, people more likely think that Celso might have had more chance than Ndombele, but still the fact is they're not there to, 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 to show it and prove it. I notice you don't mention Deli Alley. Well, <laughs> well, I was at the Arsenal game. I guess that's the reason why. Right, say no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, you've been watching Tottenham a long time. How much of a Hall of Fame elite player in the historical context is Hume Min Son now? Oh, he's got to be right up there, hasn't he, really? He's got to be up there with Harry now. As, yeah. uh, one of our all-time greats, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, when I look back at all the teams I've watched over the 40, 50 years, um, you've got to have him right up there with all our top forwards, you know, like, I know people like Klinsman and that were only here for a short spell, but, you know, he's right up there. Um, so... Got to love his attitude, haven't you? Got to love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, just loves playing football. Yeah, yeah with a smile on his face as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our big problem is that we don't have anybody wading in from midfield with goals. There's mm. no threat in coming in, in behind Kane and, and Song. Yeah. So mark them out of the game, and you've got an issue. Yeah, I mean, I like those two. I do like Benton Cure and Hoybier. I think Hoybier. Do you know what I watched? I watched Hoybier on Sunday, and I thought, for me, he was a contender for Man of the Match. He did so much. He just gets through so much work. He's so diligent and tough. And uh, yeah, he does give the ball away every now and then. But uh, and Benton Cure's better at keeping and passing the ball. But I just thought he got so got through so much. And when I got home, I looked on the BBC website, and I hardly ever look at this because it really annoys me. But when on the match page, they have people voting and giving marks out of 10, <laughs> and then you get the average. And I thought, oh, I might, I might have a look, actually, Sue's man of the match. And I, th- I thought, I wonder where Hoybier came, because for me, he's definitely top three or four. He came bottom. I know. He, he was I, the least rated Tottenham player by the by the people watching at home. I can't believe read, it. Haven't you read the Spurs show Facebook page? You see, where Do he, they hate him? Well, no, it's just generally some people come out with this stuff that you think, Sorry? Were you at the yeah. same game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but he, he is the classic example in the it's a cliche in football. He does the ugly stuff, you know, he's not a flair no, player. No, no. He doesn't do he doesn't do the pretty stuff. He doesn't beat two men and then bash it into the but top he right can, corner. But he, he can play. He can, he can play. He can play. I mean, and he I, gives it I adore, the amount he puts in is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I adore Ben Dunker. I think Yeah, he, me too. I, yeah. But he but if you look at his record, if he gets a goal of season, he's done well. So yeah, he's he never hasn't scored, scored for two goal. years. But Every he, time but, he has a shot, it's terrible. it's terrible. And then he puts it, and then he, he seems to really upset him for several minutes. He's got his head it really, really profoundly affects him emotionally. But he does Very, these. He, he does things with a the ball. That, yeah, the reason great. I go, 
you know, that there's that moment when yeah. it'll just turn out of something and you go, oh, who saw I that mean, coming, you know? I know I know it's been said, but it's worth underlining that those two signings have been way beyond our wildest dreams because... You're talking about only, Romero. You're talking about Romero. No, no. Well, Romero came at the beginning of the season. I'm talking right. about the window signings okay. of Kuliszewski and Bentoncourt. Yeah, sure. Because they, not only have they come in and they are... Hundred percent upgrades on what we what what we had. For me, I think I think I mean oh, Kuliszewski is so inventive and unpredictable that he makes goals that none of the previous players in that position would ever be able to make. And as you say, Bentoncure, he does this. He, he's tough. He gets into him. He does you know he does a lot of work just like Horbier, but he has a touch of incredible class about him, an amazing uh, you know vision and passing and ideas, and that has elevated the whole side. And that you know you said earlier about the the defensive record since February has been amazing. When you mm. actually look at the personnel, which hasn't changed at all at the back there, it's actually been really threadbare in terms of actual people, you know, bodies. I mean, when you look at look at that back five, man for man, the only player I think that would have a chance of getting into any other any of the top teams is Romero, really. He's a oh, what a what a signing he is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah, he was amazing quality, on Sunday. Quality yeah. in every fibre of his being. Really. But, but, the, but the thing is, we haven't let many goals in since February. And the reason for that is the team. It's that those midfield two and the five of those players. All right, they're not they're not the top level apart from Romero. But as a unit, the way Conti's got them coached and operating, those five defenders, if you include the wingbacks and the two central midfielders, and of course the wide forwards come. Whenever we don't have the ball, you see you see a line of five and a line of four, and it's bloody hard for the uh, opposition to get through unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo. No one. That's it. No no teams. There's only one bloke been able to do it with any you know to any significant degree it's and that was in it's the stupid moments that kill you it's the stupid moments yeah usually in the, that's, last, that's... in the last five minutes of the game you yeah. just if it's nil nil you know we're going to give it up in the last five minutes. well you know Romero obviously stumbled in against Brighton twice yeah. and you know, yeah. that was where we lost that one but <clears throat> one of the questions I've sort of been thinking over is had Oliver Skip not been injured you know for what seems like months and months you know you have to think he would have got some game time so you know how how would he have played and I think also I don't know how much attention you pay to it but there's quite a lot of interesting sort of stuff comes out in the papers about the transfers and you know the couple that sort of intrigued me they they constantly talk about Hoybier leaving which which I'm not sure if it would entirely surprise me which you know I know he's been brilliant for two years and and you know he's he's been incredibly reliable from a, from a fan's point of view. I just wonder actually if he's. I think he's a is a main contributor to to the good defensive record. I just wonder if maybe they think he doesn't do enough moving forward. And, and if I'm honest, you know you know we've seen glimpses of the Conte system how it could work, particularly when you had Doherty there and and, and he was really making our wing back system work. But I'm interested. I don't think I know enough about how the midfield two are supposed to work in that formation. Because, you know, obviously, like you say, Brenton Core isn't some, he's great at holding the ball and he's got lots of passing range and he's got a huge amount of class. But, you know, he's not got goals. So you think to yourself, well, who is their ideal partner for Brenton Core in that central midfield? And I'm not sure if it is Hoybier. I think, I suspect it might, Skip might fit the mould slightly better, but there also might be somebody else. Um, I think that's going to be the, the position where things change over the summer. I wouldn't surprise me. I think that's a good call, actually, Lee. Calvin Phillips? Possibly. I, mean, I don't know yeah. enough. I mean, again, so like, you know, you keep reading about Christian Eriksen coming back to Tottenham and you think, you know, 
you know, if you just think about that intellectually for a minute, you just think, well, where would he play in this system? Yeah, exactly. That's what I always, because, I always you know, struggle it, with that. I don't know where he fits in. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be an impact player off the bench, but Conte yeah. doesn't tend to really go for those that much. I mean, this weekend aside, you know, with Kudasevsky, it's not a big part of what he does. It's not like Terry Venables. Really. And de- defensively, defensively, Eric, the game. defensively, Ericsson's not up to it either. Exactly. No, yeah. so, so you couldn't, I don't think you can put him in the midfield too for that. He's too lightweight for that. No, indeed. And then you'd have to put him, you'd have to put him in one of the two wide positions. And even then, does he do enough? Having said that, his stats used to be amazing. I don't know what they are now, but in terms of, ground covered in matches because Always he was a playmaker he, yeah. he did get through a lot of uh, but anyway I don't know I, I don't know if he's there's talk of him maybe staying at Brentford uh, but I don't know if they'd be able to pay him what he'd be able to get elsewhere that's the only thing he seems to be very happy there I have to say yeah I mean why not why, 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 not? why wouldn't he be yeah, yeah. Let's take a break and we'll come back when we come back we're going to have to we're going to have to face it sooner or later we're going to have to talk about Liverpool away Okay, so we're back from the break. And before I do the usual um, housekeeping, I just wanted to say that um, Mike and I uh, were very sad to hear about the passing of uh, Richard Jones, who is a regular listener and was a guest at all of our monthly Spurs show events. And he was a really great character. He was the sort of guy that we always gravitated towards. And we're in shock. He, he died at the weekend and we're, we're very sad to hear it. And we send all our love and prayers to all his family and friends. Okay, the next game is Liverpool. But before we talk about that, let me just remind you all that for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Our next live event is is a particularly exciting one because it's at the JW3 Community Centre on Finchley Road, which is a fantastic venue, really is I mean, for us, it's very bougie. It's very posh, very, very comfortable. Uh, and it's on May the 11th. It's with Martin Chivers, Pat Jennings, Alan Mullery and Stevie Perriman, which is some four-a-side team. Um, the tickets, it, uh, some tickets, including a VIP meet and greet, are available, by the way, at jw3.org.uk if you want to meet those guys. But there's also regular tickets. And if you're not in London or even if you're overseas, this event has live streaming tickets available too. And it's a proper multicam event because this this uh, rather posh venue is not just uh, extremely luxurious. It is um, set up with all the technology as well. So we're excited about that. The podcast recording of this event will only be available to our Patreon subscribers, by the way. So that's another reason to sign up to that service, which is just a couple of quid a month. Uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And please leave us a nice review on iTunes. And in merchandise news, there are brand new Human Son and Antonio Conte designs. And there's the old Woolwich Wanderers classic Hoddle, Aussie, Chivers, Bale, Greaves and Mackay designs on T-shirts, sweatshirts and phone covers. Links are on the description to this podcast. Next week, joining Mike Lee are Simon Dent, Danny Fenton and Jeff Pope. So that's it. We've got, we've got to actually, before we, I'm going to put it off even more. I'm going to put it off even more because I can't face thinking about going up to Anfield. So Ian, I'm going to ask you about your book. Tell us all about your book, which is about your, your decades supporting Tottenham from the North East. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, the book's um, sort of set from 74. 74-5 season, which was when I started 
going to watch Spurs. Uh, I've been a supporter since 69. Um, got to my first game in the 74-5 season. Um, but actually, somebody messaged me this week and asked me if it was a hooligan book. Um, <laughs> which, um, which I said, well, it isn't. It isn't. It's more of a, a growing up through the 70s and 80s with Spurs being the backbone of the, the book. But You're right. I said, you know, if you were going in them times, of course there was hooliganism, you know, you, you couldn't, yeah. especially going away from home because, you yeah. know, Spurs have, a good, have always had a good away support and, uh, you know, there were incidents and I tried to avoid them, but on some occasions I never, you know. <laughs> but, uh, can, I, can I just ask, why Spurs, Ian? Um, well, actually... It stems from my brother's eight years older than myself, and he picked up on Spurs when he would have been about eight or nine. So that was the double season. So he probably picked the best team, what kids do, you know. Yeah. So and then it came down to me. But by the time I was watching them, we were in relegation fights. So yeah. you know, I, I can hardly say I was a glory hunter, really. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so um, I started just like watching Spurs around the northeast grounds at first. And then once I um, started working, which happened to be um, the 77 8 season, the second division, that's when I started getting to more and more games. Uh, so, so, did you get down to London for home games as well then? Um, yeah, I think I got to about six games that season. Um, and I only went to one away game, which was Sunderland, which there was a lot of trouble at that game as well. Uh, but <laughs> fortunately, I was down the side, but there was like, you know, there was a lot of Spurs fans on the pitch that day. Um, I'm starting to think you were one of the main faces in the Spurs firm, the way that, I mean, you've got this, you've got now, now, like many of us, you've mellowed with age, but you've got this slightly, you know, you've got a very mild manner about you, but I've, I've got a slight, You've, this is there something sinister beneath the surface? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, so so to say, I, I think of it as the social history of the time. Um, so uh, the book, I discuss discuss a lot of games in the book, but I don't really talk much about the matches as such. I talk yeah. about the, the actual getting of the games, the atmosphere, the yeah. rivalries, obviously the chanting. I bring that sort of thing up. Um, and I talk about the book. The book concentrates the late 70s, early 80s, really. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which was when I was going sort of 35, 45 games a season. Um, yeah. even I was living in the Northeast. Um, so it sort of covers the relegation, Division 2, Aussie and Ricky signing, um, Cup finals. I also like talk about White Hart Lane and standing on the shelf side, you know, which mm. I love the shelf. Mm. Um, I was so disappointed when, when you know. Yeah. Um, and is it your first book? Yeah, it's the first thing I've ever written since I was at school. And what made you what, what made you suddenly want to do that? Um, I just had all these notes of events that were happening to me. So I thought, I'm going to start writing it. But I actually started writing it about 20 years ago. Okay. And then I put, I put it down. And I picked it back up about 10 years later and I wrote it and then I took it to a publisher and they said, yeah, it's good, but it needs a little bit extra. So I, I sort of put it down again and 
I sort of scrapped the original, you know, the original yeah. book, and I started writing it from scratch again. Yeah. So, and then once I, once I finished it, I thought I'll just self-publish it. It's interesting, you know, that you say that. But Ian Ridley, who's a who's a very well-known writer and journalist, who was recently a guest on my other podcast, Life Goals, um, brilliant bloke, very interesting. And he's a prolific writer. He's written lots of books. And he now writes crime fiction. And right. he's doing – there's a famous uh, course for crime crime writers at Cambridge University where you get an MA in, in uh, crime writing. And he said – he tweeted at the weekend. I thought this was remarkable. He said that this very, very well-known – he couldn't name the writer, but he said this very well-known, very successful crime writer came in to speak to them because they get all the best people come and speak to them. And said that for her new book, she'd written the book – uh, 170,000 words or something, and then deleted it and started again. And that was how she ensured... She didn't edit it, change it, tune it. She deleted it. So she had it only in her head and then wrote it again. And I thought, he said that, he found that quite chilling as a yeah. guy trying to learn off. He was thinking, God, imagine doing that. But it's interesting you just said, because in a sense, that's what you did. And um, she, yeah, she reckons yeah. that's, that's the best way to make it good. Yeah, so I look well, forward to reading it. Yeah, waiting it's, for it's, a Saturday. It's called, isn't it? Waiting for a Saturday. Yeah, following Spurs seventy-four to ninety-four. And, yeah. Uh, talk a lot about the Hillsborough disaster or mega disaster in eighty-one. Um, the beginning of all seaters yeah. live games, the first live games in eighty-three. Yeah, and the music and fashion of the time as well. Great. Um, which is well, obviously can't wait. It's available on Amazon, isn't it? Yeah, you can only get it on Amazon. So okay. can't, can't get it in the shops. Great. Okay. Well, I look forward to that very much. Sounds brilliant. And so now we can't put it off any longer. I've literally put everything. We've talked about everything we can. Liverpool away. This is an interesting game. Most people don't give us a prayer. The scenario most people are talking about next weekend is Arsenal play Leeds at home, win easily because Leeds aren't very good. Spurs go to Liverpool perhaps the best team in the world right now. They just look like an absolutely unstoppable force. And we get, you know, the theory goes we get beat or we get absolutely slaughtered. Uh, and, of course, if it's the latter, we've got to then pick ourselves up for what's to come, which is, of course, the sort of uh, theoretical playoff with the Arsenal how but and then there's another theory people are saying not just spurs fans by any means probably probably no no spurs fans whatsoever but other people neutrals are saying i've just got a feeling spurs are going to give liverpool a bit of a game there that looks like liverpool's tough game as they run in and bid for the title what do you make of that brian which school are you in i mean i'm in all those camps actually to be honest with yeah, you yeah i know because what you mean traditionally traditionally we actually do give liverpool a decent game yeah. Um, and because they're so gung-ho, they, you know, it's the old thing, you know, you don't rate their defence, but there again, you never see them having to defend. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, they, they, they're going to be worried. Yes. And, and you don't know how that's going to affect them. Anything can happen here. The problem yeah. is, if we do go one down, we have to keep attacking and you can, we can't sit back, you know, once yeah. if we go one down, because... A win is the only real option now. First goal could be crucial. Yeah. Uh, but they are but, they are so powerful. You've got to fancy, you've got to fancy yeah. them to beat us. Of course you have to. Of course. Look but at their Lee, record. 
<laughs> yeah, their record's incredible, and they are at the moment they seem to be at the peak of their powers. I mean, every they're all playing well. They're sweeping aside all comers, but. Lee, isn't it the case looking for crumbs of comfort, things to, to, to straws to cling to? Isn't it the case that the way they play, which is so thrilling? By the way, I love. I'd just like to say now, for the record, I think Man City and Liverpool are bloody great. I don't hate either of them because yeah. they're so bloody good, and they're not Arsenal and they're not Chelsea. So <laughs> what's not to like? But the thing is about Liverpool is they, but much like us, they only have one way of playing and they will play it come what may. And that way of playing, as you say, Brian, is is, is gung-ho. They will just go all out and they'll go for it. They'll go for the throat from the first whistle. And in a way, the intriguing thing is that is exactly the kind of team we like to play against because we'll put, you know, nine men behind the ball when we haven't got it, probably 10. But we are set up, of course, to play on the break. And, and you know, Son's pace and, and cleverness, Kane's uh, guile, Kuliszewski's unpredictability, Kuliszewski, you know, and maybe the pay, you know, uh, you know, say what you like about Emerson and, uh, and Sessignon, they're quite pacey. And so, Lee, does that make you think there is a scenario in which we, we, we get something, maybe more than just something out of that game? The, the answer has to be a resounding no. So I can't, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with uh, with your colourful summary. Everything you said is absolutely true, and you're looking for comfort in all the right places. But if I'm honest, I can't face it at the weekend because I can't I think of the last game we played against Liverpool where we got what we deserved. You know, it just seems to me like every time we play against them, you know, we come away feeling like you know hard done by. And, but you that, know, isn't for, that the whole thing? Isn't that it's like Brian says? We always give them a game. As we sooner or later, if we keep giving them a game, we're going to get a result, aren't we? Um, well, let, let's let, this again season. get another crumb of comfort <laughs> we can hold on to. But um, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, you talk about you know, you just compare sort of Manchester and Liverpool. You know, um, for me, I'm still holding a massive grudge from Madrid. So you know, I'm I kind of right. much yeah, rather, absolutely. even though absolutely. we took six, even though we took six points off. City, you know, I still would much rather they won the league than Liverpool. Right. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, everything you said makes a lot of sense. You know, they, it should be a good matchup. You know, we should match up well against them. But the reality is they always seem to find a way to to overcome whatever it is we, we, we put there. You know, I mean, you know, I was thinking back to last season and I thought to myself, you know, would, would, would the whole Mourinho thing have played out the way that it did if we'd have won those two games, you know, against Liverpool? You know, that's, yeah. you know, particularly the away game where we were really hard done by. Um, they've, got five, so, they've got five world-class strikers. Five. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and their terrifying. midfield is always so strong. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I can't face, I can't face going there. I mean, I watch it oh, on television. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> come on, get a grip, all of us. We've got to watch it. It's, and it's on a Saturday night. It's going to ruin our yeah, Saturday no, I'll be, night. I'll be watching it. But, you know, it literally, for me, you know, it is... It is hope, isn't it, over expectation? Not, of course. not because of anything other than just the pattern and, and what we've seen in the last yeah. 10 games against them, really. Yeah, but, but okay, okay, hold on. Sorry. There is, you say the last 10 games. Let's not forget the last game. No one's mentioned it yet. The last game we played against them was, was the first time we played against them under Antonio Conte. And we, as usual, gave them a great game and we did not lose. It was 2 2. <laughs> It was 2-2 and it was a very, it was a perfectly fair result. Nobody, you know, it wasn't like we got away with one at all. I mean, at that 2-2 against Liverpool at the Tottenham Hotspur State, that's one of the reasons why, you, as you rightly say, Brian, they won't be 
you know, this will be the one they'll be thinking, oh, this is tough. Looking at what they've got ahead of them, this is this of the league games, this is the tough one. Yeah, definitely. And and I think the uh, Man City result up at the, up the uh, Etihad, you know, has got to give the team a bit of confidence. You know, yeah. we, can, we can, you know, we yeah. can compete. Um, I'm just sort of like looking, if, if we do let a goal in at Anfield, you know, do we sort of go for it or do we try and... <laughs> Just keep it at one nil because let's say let's say if Arsenal <laughs> Arsenal say, say they rack a few goals up against Leeds and then we let yeah. a load in, you know, yeah. is the goal difference that swing going to be starting? You know, as well, we've got to sort of think of that. But you know, I, 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 yeah, it's a good question. I rather think that against Liverpool, the thing about Liverpool is, as we've been saying, if they go one up, they're not going to sit back. They're going to keep going. So we'll probably play the same way. The game probably won't change by them scoring, I wouldn't have thought. The more interesting question is, is what if we score? I mean, if we score, presumably we're going to line 10 people up across the goal line because it'll be like, shit. But again, we'll we'll have opportunities on the break. I mean, you know, there is not much of a... There aren't many better breaking teams than us. I mean, that's been the case. It was the case under Mourinho, you know, uh, even. And, and we've, we've got, we're equipped to hit any team on the break. Um, the, 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 so, he, and, and Liverpool, unlike almost most, almost any team that we'll play against, if they go one up, as I say, they're not, they're still going to leave gaps. So I think yeah, we're I still... I think they will score. I think they will score. But, you know, I just, I can't overlook everything that's gone before in all the recent games yeah. and think that we'll be able to pull it off. But you never know, you know, they're, they're, you know, a hero could emerge and, um, you know, there's a, there's a chance, isn't there? There's always It could be Ben Tanker's goal of the year. Well, that would be, let's 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 hope that, that that'd be great, point. wouldn't it? I, I, although, don't, although, don't you feel that even if we beat Liverpool, that we'll only stuff it up against Burnley or against the Canaries? You know, well, we've got to do it the Spurs way. You know, the the, the traditional pattern with Spurs yeah. is that at the end of the season we say, "Oh, if only we hadn't dropped those points against Wolves." Yeah, if we yeah. hadn't dropped those points. You know, it's this the traditional song of the Tottenham fan. Yeah, there are all sorts of things to worry about, that's for sure. Because, yeah, we could go and win at Liverpool and then two games later we play Burnley, just as we played Burnley after we beat Man City. And what happened? You know, Burnley are just the sort of team that stuff it up. The other thing that worries me, every time I look at that last day of the season, you think, Norwich, they're already down, you know, and they're no good. So we go there, that's surely. And then I think of that game up at Newcastle. Do you remember that? Oh, don't don't start. Oh, please. They were down. All we had to do was... (laughs) Get a result there to land above the. I think it was the. It would have been the first time we we finished above yeah. Arsenal, wasn't it? For well, about can, fifteen years. You can point and to we, any we got year. absolutely slaughtered. It's rinse and repeat. It's the same story every <laughs> year. Uh, oh God! But, if, if this is what it is to be a Spurs fan, you know. But at least <laughs> to lose to. I mean to 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 not get fourth place by getting beaten by Liverpool is no shame. You know. Yeah, it's when you yeah. da- it's when you stuff stuff it up. When you blow it, you blow it against Norwich Brent, on the last or day. Brentford or somebody, you know, it's just it's humiliating, yeah. you know. Yeah, but, but those, were, those, the, those bottom of the table teams are going to have a big say, aren't they? Because I mean, Arsenal oh. got Leeds and they've got Everton on the last day. You yeah. know, and I say I think of the games we've got. I think obviously I expect we'll beat Arsenal. I think there'll just be too overpowering an atmosphere not to. And, but I do think coming back out at midday or following Sunday is a bit of a potential banana skin, depending on where they're at and what you've got to hope. I mean, you mentioned earlier earlier on. You just got to hope that Everton are in with a shout on the final day, 
and um, yeah, you know, and they make it really difficult for uh, for Arsenal. But um, can you imagine yeah. Deli Ali getting a last minute winner or equaliser? That <laughs> Deli Ali puts us into the Champions League. Yeah, we're, we're all playing fantasy football here, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Oh, if he yes. could do that, and he could do that. <laughs> it's what know. we're here for, Brian. I know, I know. The theatre, <laughs> the theatre of nightmares. Yeah, you yeah. Know. It's the hope that kills us, as we always say. But well, I mean, the, 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 but there are encouraging signs from you know high up at, in the top within the Tottenham hierarchy. It does look like we're. We're getting ready to spend some serious money in the close season, at least. Yeah, well, I you mean, know? everything's in the balance. If we don't get top four, do, do I mean, you know, we ask That's this question getting, pretty no. much every week. I mean, do, does Conti stay? Does Kane stay? And do we have the same money? No. So it's so important. This is so ex- it's so important, and it's exactly yeah. the same for the goons. I mean, it, I, don't, I don't think Conti will go. I don't think Conti will go. Even if we don't get top four, even if we don't give get us top another four. year, he's been talking about. The, the progress that the team's made. I mean, I know it's the old excuse. If you'd said in November, is his phrase, you'd said yeah. in November that we'd be challenging for a yeah. football place. And yeah. he's right. If we if we hadn't had Nuno and we'd had Conte from the start, where would we be yeah. now? Yeah, probably third. All of, this, all, of, all of this would be moved. All of this conversation would be moved, I'm sure. I think yeah. he's the real deal. Yeah, I know. But the, the trouble is, so does, so does Paris Saint-Germain. I think Zidane's going to go there. Anyway. Yeah, probably. Yeah most likely let's hope so all right gentlemen well i think we've we've done our best to be as optimistic as as possible (laughs) Uh, i'm sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) you know no no i think i think obviously if you look at what the bookmakers are saying any rational person would ever the 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 real the real worry is if we get a right tonking of course but let's the truth is you don't know whisper you never know whisper no you never know so we're going to turn up if we turn up who knows what's going to happen you know exactly exactly well, I'm going to ask you now to make predictions, which seems hilarious in the circumstances. But I'm going to start with you, Ian. It's your you're the debut, you're the debutant today. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you to go first. I want a score prediction for the Liverpool game, and then I'm going to ask you yes or no top four for Spurs. So first score prediction for Liverpool. Uh... If I'm being honest, uh, 2-0 defeat, but <laughs> hoping for a, a draw. Right. And do you think we'll go top four or not? It's all on the North London derby. OK. All right. You've Do slightly it. copped out there, Ian, but I'm going to yeah, let you off. Out, yeah. I'm going to let no, you I off. Think, because I think, it's I, think your... it's, uh, I think on the North London derby, I think we'll be really up for it. And obviously, the crowd are going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. That night. You know, well, yeah. First, the first one in the new stadium, really. Where yeah. we've got, yeah, we've got fans there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll be, all right. What are you saying, Brian? Liverpool game. I think they'll win one nil. Right. I think it's going to be tight, and I think they'll win one nil. And, and top I, four. I don't think it's on the North London derby. I really uh, don't. I think we're going to win the North London derby. Yeah, and I and think, still not get it. I, I think we might squeak in on goal difference or something silly. You know. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'll take that. Lee? Uh, I think it'll be a good game on Saturday night. I think I, I can see, I don't like backing against Tottenham, but I can see 3-2 as a scoreline. And I can definitely see Spurs qualifying for the Champions League. Really? Okay, I think we're going to get a I draw. love this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, <he's good. laughs> we're getting back. We, I, think we, uh, I think we'll get a draw 
at Anfield and it'll be a massive story. There'll be all sorts of controversy, VAR and shit like that. And we'll get, it'll be one all. And uh, the Scousers will be absolutely furious. And I'm certain that they've been done an injustice. It'll be something like that. And I think because of that point, we will scrape into the top four. Although I love the idea of Deli Alley clinching it on the last day. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you all very much. I've enjoyed this immensely. I think we have uh, we've covered everything. And so, Brian, Lee, Ian. Ian Ian's book, by the way, is called Waiting for a Saturday. Uh, and, we can, and it's available on Amazon. And uh, I'd like to thank you all again for turning up. And all that remains for me to say is Thea Delaney in North London saying... Cow, you Spurs! If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.